For the second time in less than a month, the Florida Gators have lost an assistant coach to the NFL and then replaced him with someone who's a better fit for the current roster for the Florida Gators. We're going to talk about the new hire of Russ Calloway here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast, but you already know that. Happy Tuesday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Line Sports, Giants, Country of SI.com, and NFL 33. And we're going to get into this higher now because the Florida Gators have addressed the tight end coach vacancy by hiring Russ Calloway yesterday afternoon. And before we talk about Russ and his qualifications and the fit, I want to address that I saw Gators fans on social media, whether it be, you know, Discord servers, Lockdown Gators Discord server, by the way, join that, links in the description below, whether it's Twitter, no matter what it is, I've seen Gators fans complaining that we went through all of these hires just to hire someone internally? Yes, or all these interviews to hire someone internally? Yes. Because guess what? You go through the interview process to figure out who you think is the best person to fill that job. And Russ Calloway is the best person, in Billy Napier's opinion, to fill that job. So he got it. Would you rather us go, well, you know, we interviewed seven people for the job, or however many interviewed for tight end specifically, but we interviewed this many people for the job. We have to go external. The people will be pissed. No, the people will be pissed if your team sucks. So you hire the best person possible. If that's Russ Calloway, which in this case it is Russ Calloway, then so be it. Okay, cool. Glad we got that out of the way because that was just a horrible thought, pro- thought process to go. Well, we can hire someone internally if we interview external candidates. Come on now. But Russ Calloway was in Gainesville in 2022, but he was an off-field assistant as a defensive intern which is obviously interesting because you just took someone who is just a defensive intern for your program and you made him the tight ends coach so this isn't something that he really worked with frequently but i have no issues with it i mean william peeler was just the tight ends coach and now he's an assistant defensive line coach so yeah i have no issues with that that happens with play with people flipping sides of the ball happens all the time i have no issue with it it, it seems weird because in your mind you're like you shouldn't be an offensive coach that goes to defense and then back to offense. But that's another important thing that Russ Calloway's experience prior to this was offensively. Also important to note that in 2021, Russ Calloway was with the New York Giants as an offensive assistant. While he was an offensive assistant on that coaching staff, do you know who else was on that coaching staff? Actually, two. Sean Spencer was on that coaching staff, who is of course, co-defensive line coach or co-defensive coordinator and defensive line coach. And also Rob Sale, the offensive coordinator and offensive line coach. Yes, offensive coordinator, although he's not the offensive play caller, but he was with offensive coordinator Rob Sale, who was the offensive line coach in 2021 for the New York Giants. So Russ Calloway and Rob Sale have a little bit of 
um, I don't want to say, you know, they have a chemistry, but they have a little bit of familiarity, which is probably going to be important when you figure out how to piece this offense together, where yes, Rob Sale is the offensive coordinator that is hugely focused on the offensive line, but the offensive line works closely with the tight ends frequently for obvious reasons, especially in this offense. Prior to that, Russ Callaway was at Samford from 2015 to 2019. He was a wide receiver coach for the first two seasons, and then he was the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. And, of course, we all know by now, and if you don't know by now, it's because this is legitimately your first place to hear this, but he had a record-setting offense when he was the offensive coordinator. Great for him. Awesome for him. I think that this hire is a good hire, mainly because... I love William Piegler. I have no problem saying that. I've been very open that we lost a tremendous recruiter when he went to the NFL, and I've been open in saying I don't understand his allure to the NFL considering his best trait was recruiting. But I will say, as much as I love William Piegler, I am a big fan of having someone who's a better offensive mind and having someone who's quarterback coach, wide receiver coach, offensive coordinator, I prefer having that at most positions. I understand recruiting is significantly more important in college or significantly more important on this staff than anything else, really, because Billy Napier understands. Same thing that Kirby Smart understands. Same thing that Nick Saban understands. Same thing that Urban Meyer has openly said, even like two weeks ago, he did an interview with The Athletic, and he was like, look, the best way to win games in college football is to have better players than the other team. So Billy Napier's put a premium on recruiting. That leads me to think, or that leads me to wonder how good of a recruiter Russ Calloway is because we know that his resume points to him being a better actual coach, a better on-field coach than anything else. That doesn't mean he's a bad recruiter. That just means he's a better on-field coach than anything else right now. So I am curious to see how Russ Calloway is going to stack up with William Piegler as a recruiter. I am pretty confident in saying that Russ Calloway is going to be a better tight end coach, actually coaching the position than William Piegler. Because again, William Piegler was not this tight end guru. He was not this tight end specialist. He wasn't even really a position coach specialist. His main trait was recruiting. Russ Calloway's main trait is look at my resume. You see how good my offense was when I was there? Then shut you up. Okay, that, like that's it. He's like, all right, then shut up. Look at my resume. And so I'm interested to see how that works out. I am, I'll say, curious to see how the tight end group performs this year because we can fully expect it's probably going to be Dante Sanders and Keon Zipper starting at tight end again this year. I don't care what the depth chart says. There's two starting tight ends. So we'll probably see Keon Zipper and Dante Sanders again. Dante Sanders dropped 21 pounds from the start of last year. So is he going to be more athletic, more agile? Did he change some fat to muscle and he's still a capable blocker? Curious to see that. Personally, I will say, if I got to decide who was the starting tight ends, it'd be Jonathan Odom replacing Dante Sanders. And probably... Arliss Bordingham replacing Keon Zipper. And it's not a knock on anybody. It's not a knock on that. It's that I think that Jonathan Odom is an incredibly versatile tight end. So I think he should be starting and he's a good blocker. And I think Arliss Bordingham is just a mismatched nightmare where you should just get him on the field. 
I'm curious to see, though, will Dante Sanders or Keon Zipper take the next step for a position that played a ton of snaps in 2022 but was not productive whatsoever. But as we talk about this coaching staff and this roster, there are going to be some winners from spring ball, whether it's early winners that are already declared winners or people who can earn their spot into the actual rotation. We're going to get into that. But first, today's episode of Lockdown Gators is brought to you by Built Bar because it is, we're a week into March already. Jesus. And if you're trying to get fit for the summer, which I am trying to get fit for the summer, if you have a sweet tooth like I have, then guess what? You could eat Built Bar and not feel bad about it because Built Bar is coated in 100% chocolate, so it's nice and sweet, but most bars have just 130 calories, which is pristine if you're a calorie counter. I'm not. Most bars have 17 grams of protein, which considering it is a pretty small bar, awesome and four net carbs just four net carbs that's the part that i care about the most by the way so just four net carbs is awesome they're finally in stores now too so go to built or builtbar.com go to your local walmart or sam's club and get yourself built bar thanks again for making lockdown gators your first listen of the day every day we're available daily and free reviews on the podcast don't forget to like subscribe comment review join the lockdown gators discord the description the link is in the description but now we're talking about a few guys who I think could be winners. And I'm not saying that they are definitively going to be winners from this spring ball session, but I think they have the opportunity to surpass players better than we expected, where they have the opportunity to find themselves in a pretty damn good situation. First off, I'm starting with Sharif Denson, who I'm going to say specifically for star. And I understand that uh, we were in the Lockdown Gators Discord the other day when the clips from practice came out, and I'm so sorry, I forgot who said it, but someone said Sharif Denson looks like he has stiff hips. That could be the case. However, what I think it looked like was more so, and it's not a cause for concern anyway, but right now, uh, but I think it looked more like he was trying to anticipate when the break was coming. If you watch the combine this week, you'll see there are certain drills where players have to move left and right or turn, turn, whatever it is. Some players try to, you know, they, they stare and, and they're kind of leaning a certain way and they're trying to just anticipate when you're going to say to turn and they're, they're thinking, they're not doing it. I think that's what Sharif Denson was doing, which isn't surprising. He is a freshman. That was his first practice for the Florida Gators. But at star, Trevez Johnson is gone. Miguel Mitchell, like I mentioned, gained 19 pounds since last week, since last year, maybe 21 pounds, some like that. He gained about 20 pounds uh, from last season. And Jadarius Perkins should move to safety full time, especially when you consider how there's no experience in that safety room right now. Jadarius Perkins should move there full time. So Sharif Denson, the stars are aligning perfectly, no pun intended on saying stars aligning. But the stars are aligning perfectly for Sharif Denson to slot himself, maybe not into the starting lineup, maybe into the starting lineup, but maybe not into the starting lineup, but to get significant playing time with a strong showing. He's thought of as the star player that came in in this recruiting class. So Sharif Denson, you should be playing star. You should earn snaps with a strong showing. So that's one guy who, sh- who is potentially the biggest winner from this spring ball session, Sharif Denson. 
outside of whoever wins the quarterback battle. Next is Arliss Wardingham. Early reports have been that this man is I've I've seen Arliss Wardingham is unguardable. Awesome. He's a wide receiver, tight end hybrid. He's going to be playing tight end. Early reports have been that he's dominant, unguardable. Sweet. The thing is, last season, the expectation was kind of, you're going to be a part of this offense. You're going to be a mismatch nightmare for this offense. You're going to be an offensive weapon, whether you line up out wide in the slot as an inline tight end, as the off tight end. Hell, we'll put you in the backfield. You're just going to create plays for us. And then he dealt with injuries the entire year, not just season, year. Arliss Boardingham was dealing with injuries. So he couldn't get on the, t- on the field. His performance shouldn't be surprising. It's awesome, and we're going to talk about how cool it is. But his performance shouldn't be surprising because the expectation was as a true freshman, he would find ways to contribute last season. But again, dealt with injuries the entire year and didn't really get to do that. He's also got a unique skill set for a position that, like I mentioned last segment, really, really lacked production in 2022. I'm curious to see for someone like Arliss Boardingham, who, again, wide receiver, tight end hybrid, not in the mold of Kyle Pitts, more in the mold of, we'll say, Travis Kelsey. Um, who Again, that, I'm not saying he's Travis Kelsey, but more in that mold of a tight end that's more of a slot than anything else more of a power slot, big slot, whatever you want to call them, more than that than anything else. Um, But he's got that unique skill set. I'm curious to see how he, let's say, meshes with Russ Calloway, the new tight ends coach, who has experience as a wide receivers coach, or even Hayden Hansen, who how he kind of meshes with Russ Calloway, who has experience as a quarterback coach, and if I'm not mistaken, was a quarterback himself in college. Uh, But Arliss Boardingham's connection is probably more significant since – he's still playing a position where that's very relevant, where he is a wide receiver tight end hybrid. He's being coached by a wide receivers coach that is now the tight ends coach. So going to see how that works out is awesome. Going back to the defense here, Scooby Williams is another one where Scooby Williams has moved from inside linebacker to edge massive winner. He's already a winner. I want to make that one clear. Scooby Williams is definitively already a winner because, and even if he doesn't play for Jack Diddley this year, He's already a winner because with the current inside linebacker situation, whether you're talking about the Mike or the will Scooby Williams probably wasn't going to really crack that rotation with any sort of significant playing time. But now he's going to be playing Jack. So there was an, uh, an episode I did, you know, maybe a month or two ago where I was like, you know, Florida at Jack is really, really thin. You have Anton Powell Ryland and then like nobody that has any sense of, proven snaps scooby williams still doesn't but the point is for scooby he is now in a much better situation to find consistent playing time because of that he is now in a much better situation to find some playing time because jack is already thin he's already got a few years with a strength and conditioning program in the sec and he's got that skill set where also in high school he played edge so he's got a, a better chance at cracking the rotation as experienced as an off-ball linebacker, guess what? That's probably going to help him when Austin Armstrong asks him to drop back in coverage every now and then. So, Scooby Williams, congratulations. You're, you're already a winner. So don't got to worry about that one at all. Speaking of winning, we're going to get into Florida Gators 
Miami Hurricanes baseball because that was the most entertaining non-playoff series, including professional or college, that I've seen in a very long time, and I am ecstatic about it. So we're going to talk about that. But first, today's episode of Lockdown Gators is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. We're past the midway point. There's about 15 games left for every NBA team, and you should help yourself make some money. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe. It's secure. It's super easy to use. I use it all the time. If Shy Gildas Alexander, I'm sorry, I probably butchered his name. I don't watch the Thunder, but I know he scores a ton. He came back from injury the other day, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to bet his assists. That man screwed me. I would, I would have made a lot of money if he had five and a half assists. He finished with, I believe, four it was. Um, broke my heart. Lou Dort, though, rebounds. You were clutch. Draymond Green rebounds. You were clutch as well. I'm glad two-thirds of the parlay hit. Shy, Shay, however it's pronounced. Don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back when you go to FanDuel.com slash on to learn more. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We're going to wrap up talking about this baseball series because, and, and like I mentioned last segment, this was probably the most entertaining baseball series I've seen, whether it was postseason or not, in years. Like, I don't remember ever being this invested in a series where I just sat down and just watched baseball for years. I, I don't do that. So I, I watch like, I'm a Mets fan. So like I watch a Mets game in a series or two Mets games in a series. I don't typically sit down and watch every game, every pitch. And that was awesome to do. But the Florida Gators won that series two to one, outscored Miami 30 to 22, including a run rule, which is beautiful, on Sunday. And on the weekend, of course, I know this has gone around quite a bit, but Florida set the record or set their record for attendance for a series over the three games, a total of 22,830 fans. Awesome. On the weekend, this is probably the best team in baseball, college baseball, obviously, but on the weekend, this is probably the best team in college baseball on Wednesdays. No, no, not, not on Wednesdays on Wednesdays, just rain delay, please. Every time push it to Thursday, whatever, but Wednesdays, not great. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I took away from this series and Jen with the Gator Collective tweeted this out. I believe it was it was either Sunday after the game or yesterday during the day. But Jen tweeted that she's like, I didn't realize how much trash talk there was in baseball until this series. And it's weird because there's not usually that much trash talk, but you got Jacques, who is I mean, I don't even know what the the college Shohei Otani at this point right now, uh, to start the year at least, and him with the middle finger being thrown up, which was awesome. I don't care. I know that there are people who were like, that's just disrespecting the game of baseball with your unwritten rules, baseball. Sorry, it's trying to not suck as much, which for some reason college baseball is more entertaining than professional baseball. I don't know why, but I'm cool with, with the middle finger. I'm cool with the uh, to the sideline i'm cool with the you and snapping it over your knee yeah i'm cool with all of that 
because that is awesome. That's fire. Like that, that is, that is just heat and hate. And I love that kind of intensity. Like, so, so for me, the trash talk, chef's kiss, it was tremendous. I don't care about people that are upset about it. Actually, if you're upset about it, I'm glad you're upset about it because that, that baseball needs that professional baseball sucks. Like there's just no way around that. And I, like I said, like I'm a Mets fan. I watch like a game from each series, whatever. It's just like, there are some times where it just sucks and it's not the pitch clock. It's that it's marketed horribly. So there's that, but back to actual Florida Gators baseball. I think everybody and their mother that follows Florida baseball can see that through the course of the season, it's already happened, but through the course of the season, this bullpen could be a legitimate problem if they don't figure things out. Because this past weekend alone, Florida allowed 22 runs, which I, I it's not great, but when you consider that Miami scored 14 of them in one game, you live with it a little more, right? Or at least I live with it a little more. But what I will say is of those 22 runs, 12 of them were allowed by the bullpen. That shouldn't happen. Like you can say, oh yeah, you know, it's a little more than half the runs might not be the worst. They're not pitching more than half the innings. Like that that's how I look at it. And maybe I look at it in a, in a bit of a flawed way, but I'm thinking you're not pitching half the innings. You shouldn't allow half the runs. That's just my thought process on it. Because that means that you've got pitchers who are starting game going five, six innings, allowing less than a run per inning, and then the bullpen comes in and sometimes allows three runs per inning, two runs per inning, and it's just that's not sustainable for success. Again, when this team's on, you're looking at a team that should be in the College Baseball World Series picture. Hell, I bet on them last week. What was it? I, I, I'll I look at this right now. This isn't even a Fandle ad. This is just me telling you my bets. Um, if I could log in, face scan, thank you very much. But Florida, I bet uh, last Tuesday, Florida plus 1,100 to win the world, to win the College World Series this year. And then the odds went like got worse as in less likely. And I bet it again because I was that confident in it. So now I have a bet that's plus 1,100 and plus 1,300 because when this team is on, they're the best team in baseball. It's just a matter of can you stay on? Can your bullpen get back on track? Can the bats, the bats are not going to remain as hot as they are, okay? That, that's just how it works. That's setting reasonable expectations. The bats are not going to remain as hot as they are. For the remainder of the season. But as long as those numbers don't drop off a cliff, this team should be fine offensively. Starting pitching staff, you've been killing it. Bullpen, get your together, and let's win a damn College World Series this year. How about that? Because that's what I want to see. So let's do that. that. That's that's my pitch. My pitch is play better, and let's win the College World Series. Thanks. Hopefully it works. I don't know. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. But thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we're available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Florida Gators. We're going to have John Garcia here this week. Not tomorrow, but this week. And I'm super stoked for it. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter 
at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with whole nine sports, giantscountryvestside.com and NFL 33. And I'll see you all 